0: Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Linda Jane Smith, who is author of Lessons from the Meanest Woman Alive. Today we will discuss how women can unleash their power. Linda Jane strives to strike fear into the heart of opposing counsel. According to her resume, she is one of the top five female litigators in the United States. She is teaching working women in varied fields to shine, lead, and succeed, not by leaning in or by manning the men, but by using the unique feminine advantages to advance their careers. Linda Jane, welcome.
1: Welcome. Thank you to you. I'm pleased to be here.
0: Now, before we get into the topic, what is it like to be one of the top five female litigators
1: it is fantastic. It is um, it is exhilarating. It is a celebration of women, and um, it is very fulfilling. Um, you know, I'm the meanest woman alive, and um, that is was a name given to me by Corporate Board Magazine in 2001. They did a profile of me based on my um, litigation skills. And they called me, the, the profile was called The Meanest Woman Alive, and it stuck. And I bask in that title. My clients love it because I do um, bet the company or bet the farm cases with billions of dollars at stake. And my clients love to say they're represented by The Meanest Woman Alive and my law firm. And I view myself as a gladiator for my clients. Think of um, Olivia Pope from Scandal, but as a trial litigator, I protect them and I defend them. I am professional and fun to deal with, not mean-spirited, and not cruel. It's only when they're attacked or someone lies or misrepresents the facts of the law that I become mean. If anyone is abusive to my clients and doesn't have integrity, I will go after them, hammer and tong. So my view of mean is strong and brave. I do not let anyone treat me or my clients in a disrespectful or belittling manner I stand up for my clients and myself and I think it it is a it gives it's a very powerful position and it's also a lot of fun I lead large teams of people um, I have waiting lists of people to get on my cases um, I have a whole leadership style which involves we can go into it long-term, but I promise I'll, I'll just be quiet about it. It just involve giving everyone a sense of ownership and inclusion. And um, we do high-profile, in-the-press always work that is challenging, almost impossible, and, and adrenaline, adrenaline high every day.
0: So mean doesn't mean cruel, I think is what you said. It means strong, and competent.
1: Yes, it means strong and brave and also it, it, it has a little bit and maybe this is a sexist comment on my part, but it's sort of like a mama bear. I protect my own. And so as long as my, myself and my clients are treated professionally and the, the case is litigated or, you know, on the merits, I'm fine. But if someone, um, is disrespectful, unprofessional, wise, um, or abusive to my clients, then I, I turn into a ferocious mama bear protecting my people.
0: Let's talk about some of that. How can our listeners and the readers of your book take some of those lessons that you have learned being this mama bear, this very competent very powerful litigator, how can they take those lessons and apply them to their own lives, to their own careers? What do we mean when we say that we're going to discuss how women can unleash their power? What are we talking about?
1: Okay. Um, My premise is that it's time for women to use the unique feminine advantages To take their rightful place as leaders in business Um, and the reason I say that is that after decades of struggling to demonstrate we're equal to men not only are women not making any progress we're actually going backwards and I believe the reason why is women are playing by the wrong playbook the male playbook Um, now just to support my argument the facts are appalling uh, we hit our all-time high of female CEOs of Fortune 500 in 2017, and that all-time high was 32 out of 500 CEOs. Um, and the next year, to this year, 20, 2018, that number has decreased by 25%. So we're going in the wrong direction. And we see this trend across the board in big business, entrepreneurial startups, academia and we've probably made the least progress in stem so it's time to stop and reevaluate what we're doing because there's plenty of smart talented able extraordinary women and men by the way this is not i had i just want to as a caveat say i believe men are terrific i believe men are 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 you know men are worthy um colleagues and adversaries I do not believe in men batching. I just want women to stop being pushed down and to start getting ahead. And so my, my, uh, my premise is that women in order to get ahead need to stop playing by the male playbook. Men make the rules. Men run the business world. And if we want to get ahead, we need to start playing by a different playbook. Um, we need to start using our own playbook to change things. Um, and again, don't lean in. Don't try to outman the men. Don't try to um, beat the men at their own game. That's a losing proposition. We're going to lose. We're, the game is, um, is you know, is rigged against us. So I want women to capitalize on their unique advantages as women to succeed in business. And those advantages are not, have nothing to do with sexuality. When I say unique advantages or the unique feminine advantages, I think people might start to think I'm saying, hey, use, you know, use, use your femininity or your, use your sexuality or something like that. Not at all. What I'm saying is that women have superior leadership skills and in this age of the modern age of, you know, social media and telecommunications and the World Wide Web and everything else—it has come to be um, understood by study after study after study that emotional intelligence is the secret sauce for leadership success in our time, and that they and researchers have come up with. Um, 12 categories of emotional intelligence, the things that constitute great leadership skills. And then they tested study after study. So it was a, over and over again. They tested those skills and it turns out that women outscore men in 11 out of the 12 categories. And in the 12 were tied with men. And these categories are not just the warm and fuzzy skills that women, you know, women you know have you know have an emotional relationship or we you know we're 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 soft and um empathetic it's also we're outscoring the men in what are traditionally considered male um skills such as driving for results and taking initiative so we have this ability and it's been touted in publication, you know, not only scientific study after study, but Harvard Business Review and Fortune and Forbes and, you know, you name it. And if I've left any of the good ones out, don't, don't, sorry. And and everyone has talked about it. It is considered, according to Harvard Business Review, the sine qua non of leadership skills for our time. And so we have these special skills. And we are not using this advantage to our advantage. And I'm going to tell um, your listeners as best I can what I think, how I think they can do this, what's worked for me, because I have become a leader of men using my emotional intelligence as a woman. Um, and I th- so that's one thing is I want to talk about our emotional intelligence and um, emotional intelligence is is strategic and calculating. What it is is a marriage of, I couldn't say marriage, that sounds sexist. And it is the com- combination of intelligence, empathy, and emotion that fits in the modern information age. Um, and what it means is that you are in touch with your, a, a woman or a person to, ha- to exhibit emotional intelligence, is in touch with their own emotion and their own motivations and can read the motivations and emotions of their audience, whether that be one person or, or a group or their team or whatever group they're dealing with. And then because they have been able to read the room or what I call read the perceptual screens of the people that they're talking to, they can, um, uh, uh, gauge the situation strategically, choose a nuanced course of action, and take control. And it is a very successful um, way to play things. So I think women need to do more of it, and I'm going to talk um, some, if, if I have the chance, about how women uh, put that practice into effect by specifics. Because, you know, the the theory is wonderful, but I want to talk about, okay, how do you do this? Um, I just want to make one other point um, on a theoretical basis before we get down to the how-to's. And that is that, again, every publication, McKinsey, Harvard Business Review, Fortune, Forbes, everyone has noted that there, there, there have been these studies uh that ad, they looked at like for example there was one by the Peterson Institute and Ernst and Young that looked at 22,000 publicly traded companies in 91 countries around the world and what they found is if a company has a woman in the C suite or on the board of directors they will make more money period and it's not just it doesn't depend on the kind of business they looked at all kinds of businesses they will make more money and if you have three or more women in the C-suite, C-suite or on the board of directors, you will make a lot more money. In fact, the findings are, I'm not, this is not rhetoric on my part, the findings are that you will triple your company's revenue, double its profitability, and increase the engagement of half your workforce. And there's there, this has made headlines in the news. So my question is, if there was a proven strategy to triple your revenue, double your profitability, increase the engagement of your workforce, why wouldn't you promote women into leadership positions? And I think the answer is, and I also have studies. That I thought, don't want to talk about too many studies because then everyone's going to go, oh, studies. But I, I just want to tell you that I'm not just talking off, you know, the top of my head there's study after study and a new study just released in July of 2018 confirms that um gender bias is alive and well um and that there is a deeply entrenched bias in corporate America against women leaders um and that's that's something we have to do something about and I have ways I propose to do it and then there are other the other piece of this which um women understand it. I think, I think a lot of this also is applicable to men is their women also self-sabotage. And what that is, is it's sort of an internalization of, of the male dominant society where you, um, basically operate out of fear. Um, and, and you, you know, you, it's like you've in, internalized the values of male supremacy and you're, and women are often our own worst enemies. And that means we have, I sort of think of it, <laughs> I know this sounds funny, but I, I think of it as this parrot sitting on my shoulder, but you can think of it any way you want. It's a constant critical voice telling you what you should have done and not done or what you should have said and not said, telling you you're a fraud, telling you you're going to fail. Telling you not to do this, holding you back, it's basically making you afraid um and you know women, women uh do that constantly to to themselves and uh so I also have um as part of this idea of playing by your own playbook and and using your superior uh leadership skills externally. You also have to deal with that internal critical voice. And there's been all these studies on this. Women suffer from self-doubt. Uh, we question our abilities. We downplay our achievements. We aren't comfortable with power and we aren't, we don't like to, um, own the right to lead. We also don't self-promote because we think it's against all these gender stereotypes, it's against our gender ter- stereotypes to promote ourselves. To even brag, to take credit for our work, women are afraid to risk and fail. Um, we have been taught that if we're good little girls, and then if we're good women, and we are our work is excellent, we will succeed um, on the basis of a meritocracy, and that is wrong. Um, confidence trumps confidence. Every time. Um, And so we have to learn to develop that confidence. Um, I'll go back to that. Um, Women also feel like frauds. And I know you've all heard a lot about the imposter syndrome. And they took a look at um, women. I read a few books that talked about, took a look at women like Angela Merkel, who until recently was doing quite well. Um, Hillary, Hillary Clinton, um, the woman who's Christine Lagarde, who's the head of the IMF, the first uh, four-star woman general in the U.S. Um, uh, Air Force or Army, whatever it is, and they interviewed them, and these were all highly successful women who commanded um, respect and power and influence. And, oh, and also Supreme Court justices, by the way, women Supreme Court justices. And they all admitted that they're still afraid they're going to be found out to be a fraud or an imposter or not good enough for what they're doing. Um, and it, the, and so, like, for example, they said that Angela Merkel and uh, Hillary Clinton both over-prepare every, for everything. They understand before they go to a meeting they understand everything upside down backwards inside out so they will never have to be in a position of not knowing something and um so let me just let me just say that women are unable to rely on our past achievements Um uh, we always credit our uh our success to somebody else or to luck and as i said we lack self-confidence so we don't put ourselves forward so all of this, all of this, so there's what I call them, I sort of call them the two dragons or the two demons. I mean, it sounds a little, a really dramatic, but there's the external dragon of male domination. Men, men make the rules, men run the world. Men have always made the rules and run the world. There's the old boys club, et cetera. And then there's the internal dragon of this self-sabotaging critical voice that is constantly telling holding a woman back and making her afraid. So what I tell women is it's time to overcome both of these dragons and to unleash their power and play by a new rule book. And our own and our own playbook, as I said, is not about leaning in or outmanning the man. It's about capitalizing on our unique advantages as women, and that is our emotional intelligence, which we've just discussed, and also um, the fact that somehow having women in the C-suite or on the board makes a company earn more and become more profitable. And I think think that's because I, I don't think it's really hard to figure out. It's not just simply, you know, you have another gender there. I think when I say diversity, I don't mean diversity in the terms of affirmative action and making sure you have a black and a Hispanic and a woman. And a, you know, I I just think that when you bring women in, you get another p- point of view, and that the more point of views you can have to discuss any kind of strategy, the better. And you don't end up with male or white male groupthink where everyone sort of thinks the same. You bring a voice in to come from the side or from a different perspective and it helps.
0: How some people would ask, can you use your playbook? Can you use your abilities and your skills, your knowledge when you don't even have a place at the table? What would you say to that?
1: I would say that you have to, I have to get a place at the table and I know that, that, that sounds facile. So um, let me let me talk about it. I think that um, you have to, uh, you know, my, I have the S's, um, and I just it, one is suit up using your emotional intelligence, which is to use those superior leadership skills. As I said, to read the motivations of the people we're dealing with, gauge the situation, choose a nuanced course of action, and take control. The second thing you need to do in order to get a seat at the table is to stand up with confidence. Um, How many times has any woman listening to this been in a meeting, and I, I think this also applies to men too, but have you been in a meeting where a man who clearly doesn't know what he's talking about speaks with such utter certainty that he ends up drawing the praise and respect of his audience? And that's because, again, we don't have, and there's all these studies that have taken a look at this, we don't really have a way to gauge people's inherent intelligence and creativity that we accredit in business. So what we do is we look at we look at how people hold themselves and their presence and how they conduct themselves. And that if you if you um, conduct yourself with confidence, walk the walk and talk the talk, um, you will become a leader.
0: But and, the numbers uh, are very clear. That's not true. The numbers have established, if you look at just about any area of practice, that the field is not level. So, thinking that by being confident, by believing in ourselves, by dressing the dress, walking the walk, we're going to succeed that is clearly not what has been happening and from your own statistics that you shared with us today it's getting worse so how so can I... you play by those wonderful rules that you're sharing with us when you have no opportunity no fairness in the opportunity space
1: okay so you have to do i'm going to give you i'm going to give you the s's only because it's a it's a device to remember but you have to do all of these things. You have to stand up with confidence. You have to walk into a room and rock it. And by that, I mean, you are just, you, you walk the walk, you talk the talk, as you just said. You exude self-confidence. You fake it until you become it. Okay, that's number one. Then you have to shut up that internal critical voice. Stop the self-sabotage. Um, and so you have to ruthlessly target those thoughts, consciously shut them down, and replace them with self-affirming, encouraging talk. You need to step up. Opportunities are rarely handed to you on a plate. If you don't ask for it, you won't get it. How will you achieve your goals if you only perform those assignments that are handed to you? Ask for what you want. Plum assignments. Leadership roles. salaries. Phallus- salary increase, increases, promotion. Take risks and adver- advocate for yourself. Take the hard job, even if it's a stretch for you. If you don't, some man will. When you're assigned a major project, dive into it and take charge. Then you have to show up, which I call your grit. They had all these studies about um, why there's many, many intelligent, creative people, in fact, many geniuses, who never um, make it as, as a successful leader. And that's because what they're missing is grit. And grit is not a very sexy thing, but it's a combination of mental toughness, courage, hard work, and sometimes just the sheer stubbornness to keep going until you reach a goal. And understanding that reaching that goal is a marathon, not a sprint. So you have to demonstrate the tenacity to continuously prove yourself. You have to seize every challenge and keep achieving, and you have to push back against those who deny you what you, meet, what you need. And so what, what I'm saying is, yes, it's, it's much harder for us. In fact, I say women have to dance as fast as they can. And no matter how many times and how senior I am and how, how successful I am and how many gigantic cases I've won for my clients, Every time I walk into a, a new business situation where I'm going to lead their case and I look at the bunch of men that's there because there's seldom a woman, uh, that I meet in positions of power, seldom. Um, I, and I think they look at me and now I'm older. So that sort of helps it in an unfortunate way because. I'm more like an old battle axe than a hot woman, but, um, until I was, you know, say 50 or so, I was thin, big blonde hair, dressed, of course, um, for success in my power suits, but always, you know, dressed with flair. And I think I would walk into the room and I could see the bubbles over men's heads, which would say, Oh my God, who they sent This is who's going to defend us. This is who's going to save our country, our company. And so I had to immediately show them that I am smart, strategic, and a leader. Um, I have to establish that I'm in charge. I, I, I am fully up to speed. I know what I'm doing. I have strategic plans, and that I'm also happy to listen um, and and take input and work together more than happy to work together as a team but i understand that the buck stops with me and then i'm sort of fun too i mean it's not just like i come in like um uh, a margaret thatcher iron iron maiden or whatever they call it and just okay i'm here now boys i mean i don't i don't come in like that i come in like myself i am a woman and i act I look like a woman and I act like a woman. I don't I'm not a mini man. But I make sure they understand that I've got their backs. I've got it covered. I know what they should do and I know how they should do it. And within a very short time I've earned the respect and it never stops from there. So I guess I'm saying it it's a question I know it's hard. I'm not I'm not saying, Oh, it's very simple. You just you just, you know, you you know you use your emotional intelligence. You act with confidence. You speak up. You show up. You step up, um, and you'll be fine. This is an uphill battle, but I've done it. And there's nothing amazing, as much as I think I'm so amazing. I by the way I consider myself a legend in my own mind, which is a joke on me, please. But I'm just saying there's nothing particularly amazing about me. I just stick up for myself. Um, speak up, seize opportunities, grab that seat at the table. Um, if I don't get to the seat at the table, I get the seat right before you get to the table, and then I figure out how to get in. I mean, it, it's it's much more work for us. We're not um, we're not part of the old boys network. We are others, but and we but the way to do it is not is to use. Our, I mean, emotional intelligence is so powerful. Let me give you an example. I'm going to try to keep this, um, clean and appropriate. But, um, there's this phenomena called the alpha male and that male is the one who is in charge. And everyone knows who the alpha male is in any kind of business situation. He's, he's the guy who throws his weight around and, um, He is also used to, and this is another reason why our emotional intelligence can sort of rocket sometimes, is because the way an alpha male proceeds to conduct business is by what I call command and control, very similar to the army. I tell you what to do and you guys do it, period. I don't care about your input. I don't care about your feelings. I don't care about your lives. I don't care about your personal life. I don't care about your thoughts. I don't care about anything. I just want you to do it. And you're interchangeable, by the way. You're a cog in a machine. I can pull you out and put someone else in. Just do what I say and do it well or you're out of here. And that's how men conduct. Alpha males conduct their teams and their leadership. And that doesn't work so well anymore. It's falling apart. And they have studies after studies that prove that unless you can connect with your people, unless you can make them feel like they're part of something that matters. Unless you can inspire them, then you're not going to be able to lead effectively. And so this idea, so that while these alpha males, by the way, they, they sort of have this radar out. And by the way, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're a beta male or a would be alpha male, but you're not there yet, listen up because what happens is that these Alpha males have their antenna finely tuned so that they can look for threats from other upcoming alpha males and deal with them effectively so they don't get, you know, like the old lion doesn't get thrown out of the pride for the new upcoming male lion. Um and it's it's basically a testosterone game. It's um It's who is the bigger guy in all ways. And while that game is going on, women don't have any testosterone. Um, So we sort of can, what I call, fly under the radar while this pissing contest, I hope that's an okay thing to say, while this competition occurs. Between would-be alpha males and the alpha male as they size each other up and circle each other and figure out who's going to lead and who's going to do what to what, and then you go in and you're not you they're not paying any attention to you and you are you are not involved in this competition and so you have this ability to read the perceptual screens of the of the people in the room, gauge the situation that's going on strategically. Choose a really nuanced course of action and take control. And you may be skeptical that it works because I hear that skepticism in your voice. And maybe your 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 listeners are skeptical too. But I'm telling you, you come in, they're all worrying about each other. And you just watch what's going on, figure out what's needed, what's going to work, what's compelling, and then lay it on them. And suddenly you're, you're in charge. And if you're not in charge, you're, you're at the table at, at the, at a minimum, you're at the table. I, I think that there's the, the other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit, but, and you know, and you have to act with confidence and you have to stop, um, stop that. Silence that internal voice sowing seeds of self-doubt and fear of failure and the fear of being revealed as a fraud. And you have to seize opportunities and ask for things and take risks and advocate for yourself and display true grit. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to do, but it can be done and it does work.
0: How how do you know that? You have found success in the legal field, correct? You're a practicing attorney. I am. So I what makes you the, think that these suggestions that you're sharing with us here today and in your book, what makes you think that these apply to all the other women out there? What makes you think that they have the potential for success that they have had for you in your Life And in your line of work and not that you have been incredibly successful, such as, say, for example, the guy who was leading Apple or the guy who was or the two guys that were leading Google or leading Microsoft and so on and so forth. They were among the very few who succeeded among the very, very many who failed miserably and became not even footnotes in our universe, in our business universe. In what way are you not the exception?
1: Okay. Um, I think I am in some ways an exception, but so are they. Um, And, in fact, some of these guys, like um, I took Michael Dell's deposition for a couple days adversely. I was against him. And, you know, uh, it, just thinking of him as an, as this kind of guy, but so was Steve Jobs and some of these other guys. They were nerds. I mean, technology is a very interesting and unique area because you have these, you know, guys who, you know, were social nerds, um, came, you know, started in their garage with their parents' money, came up with such a, such an innovative idea and then had the ability to pitch it, which is, I think, you know, I, I'm not really good at pronouncing his name, but I think Wozniak was the, the, the technical genius and jobs was the salesman, the marketer. And between the two of them, they came up with this amazing idea, but this doesn't happen all the time. The people you're pointing to are are at the top of their industries. And by the way, I I don't think my advice is just for someone who wants to be the next CEO or then or the head of the the next startup that becomes, you know, a multi-billion dollar company or uh, the person in STEM who becomes the greatest engineer or the greatest scientist or the greatest academic. But all of these things work and the reason I know it is number 1 from an academic perspective, I've read gazillions of studies and I, and my book is footnoted like crazy. In fact, as a lawyer who's used to writing briefs, I wanted to put all the footnotes at the bottom of each page to show that I knew what I was talking about and I didn't support, but that's not the way you do it in these books. You put them at the end. Um, but in it, so I've done the academic work that proves all these points. And secondly, I have made it my business to speak to women in every field. I've spoken to hundreds of women in STEM, in academia, even in the arts. I've talked to accountants. I've talked to, you know, teachers. I've talked to entrepreneurs. I've talked to joint venture capitalists. I've, you know, so I have, this is not just simply, I've talked to sales girls and, you know, people at what used to be called department stores, although I'm not sure that model works so much. Big box stores, let's call it. Um, I've talked to all sorts of people, women and men, but, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women from different fields. And I believe that this works anywhere. Um, and it's not, this is by, as you can tell from how hard it is, it's not like I'm just saying, oh, you take this pill and you know, you're suddenly at the top of everything. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of determination. And it, I think women have to be twice as good as a man to reach the same goal and work twice as hard sometimes. And I think it, but I do think we've got, we've got these, we don't, we have things we don't know about. We don't know that we have these great leadership skills. We don't understand them. And if we do, I think it would give us confidence. And the scientific research, and we don't know to back it up, and we don't know that um, that 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 businesses do far better with women in leadership. I mean, it would be, I don't understand that. Money is supposed to mean everything, and we don't know how to employ our female advantages, or whatever you want to call them. As I said, I call them our superior leadership skills. We don't know enough to, to drive confidence from them or to use them to our full advantages, and that's what I'm saying. Like, let me give you a really sort of stupid, but everyone will relate to it, um, including men. Example, and that's called man interruptions. That is when a man either interrupts a woman or another or a man who's talking, or they talk right over them. And women seem unable to stop this. And this happens all the way from the secretarial pool to the, to female Supreme Court justices. And in fact, I was shocked as a lawyer to know that the women female Supreme Court justices are interrupted on the court three times more by the male Supreme Court justices than, than the men are interrupted. And that people advocating before the court, which is the guy, the the woman or the man who's standing up, but it tends to be a man, a man, because women don't interrupt each other the same way. Um, a man will be standing up arguing before the court and will cut off the woman Supreme Court justice, and they never do it to a man. And this is these are studies. It was a study that was done, and then they redid it this year, and it came out the same way. And the more female Supreme Court justices on the court, the more they are interrupted. Which makes no sense, right?
0: Absolutely. And it's a reflection of everything else we've been talking about. Right. So here's
1: what you do. So I came up with these, These, and by the way, this is what um, the Notorious RBG does, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She used to start when she asked the question by being polite, and she'd say, you know, Ah, excuse me, but I'd like to know whether, or listen, you know, Mr. So-and-so, what do you think about? And boom, she'd get interrupted. She would just, so now she stopped doing all that prefatory niceness or courtesy or anything. and just goes straight in with her question. So my view is that if you want to stop from being interrupted, you have to follow at least four steps. First, You stop the interrupters in their tracks by looking them directly in the eyes and saying, I'm not finished, or and continuing to speak, or stop interrupting me, I'm not done, or I've listened to your views, now listen to mine, or I'm sure you have something valuable to say, but so do I. You'll have your chance. Okay? Secondly, women use weak apologetic language. Um women will say things like, they'll start by, they'll start by saying, I might be wrong, but, or I'm not sure, but I think. Why do they say that? What, I mean, men use words as power. Women use words for communication. Women are <laughs> silly women. We just want to communicate. But um, words are power. And it's all about using direct forceful language when we're making our points. So women have to stop saying I might be wrong or it's only my opinion or whatever and stop apologizing. Women say I'm sorry all the time. They're sorry all the time. I don't know for what. Do you ever hear a man, a man apologize for anything? women i'm sorry but or i'm sorry I, I don't you know and and don't let other people take credit for your ideas and then the la- the other thing is that when you speak your body language matters look directly at the person who's interrupting you um establish eye contact a lot of women look away stand up if you need to if you're short like i am put the palms of your hands down on the table and then speak directly to them. Or if you need to, get up and go to the front of the room. In other words, you make it clear that you are talking and you you are going to finish and they are going to shut up and listen to you. And um, I think that kind of thing is very, very important. and also, this is funny because I'm talking so much, but use short sentences. That makes it harder for people to interrupt you. Um, so I'm just saying that there are things you can do, and that's just a small example of ways that you can assert yourself that I don't consider uh, overly aggressive or whatever. Use a B and say witchy. I just think there's simply, you're you're polite, you're firm, and you just say, I'm not finished. You don't apologize. You use direct forceful language, and you uh, use your body language to make it clear. And I think it's, so I'm just saying it's that kind of thing
0: where, uh,
1: For I'll give you one more example, okay? And then I think you're about to ask me something. Should I keep going, or should I give you one more example? Up to you. Okay. Um Women don't ask for promotions unless they're 100% sure they can do the job. They won't ask for um, raises, whole, but mostly, let's say there's a new job promotion that opens up. A woman will only apply if if she thinks she has 100% ability to do it. A man will apply if he has 40%. He'll just go for it. Um, And women won't ask for raises. And let You know, because they're worried they don't deserve them or they're bragging or they're self-promoting. And again, you just have to say, (laughs) you don't ask, you don't get. Ask for that promotion. You're you're as well qualified as anybody else. I'm sure if you only have 60% of the skills, so does everyone else who's applying. You'll grow into it. Do the best you can. You know, ask for a salary raise. Have reasons that you deserve one or comparisons that men are making more than you for doing the same job or a lesser job ask, you know, so it's, and, and tell that internal critical voice that's saying, you can't do this. You're not good enough. You're, you're not qualified. You, you replace it as best you can with an internal voice that says, I can do this. I know what I'm talking about. You can't let, Fear and fraud and failure dominate your thinking because it'll it'll come out in how you act.
0: What do you say to women who say, along the lines of what you said, that other women undermine their authority, that other women, and not just men, put them down, that when they've needed help in an office environment – other women would make them trip, and the only mentors they have found have been men.
1: You bet. That is a huge problem. And in fact, I did. Uh, I have a chapter on this in the book, but I also did an article. I can't remember if it's for Forbes or for Entrepreneur. I think it's for, it for Entrepreneur, and it is. Um, it was about bewaring of snipers, and some of the snipe- snipers were men, um, but a lot of the snipers are women. And one of the things that women haven't learned in our quest to try to get ahead and make it is that we need, (laughs) we need to, um, we need to stick up for each other. In fact, what they talked about, I don't know if you read this, but they talked about it. The women at Facebook decided that when a woman made a point in a meeting, that other women were going to say, as, as Linda just said, or I agree with Linda that, or well, I think Linda has a good idea because then they had this sort of mutually agreed upon that they were going to support each other. Um, and it was, you know, it was very effective. I think, I think women have a problem for two reasons. I first think there's, you know, as you've heard, the queen bee syndrome, which just means a woman has succeeded in her own career and she pulls up the ladder behind her. Because and she treats her her female subordinates more critically than the men, and um, I think that comes from the seat at the table idea. There's only one room for one woman at the table, and that woman want, that woman has to be me or the or the woman who is the queen bee, and so she has to rid herself of any threats. But then I also read some articles that I thought was just fascinating that queen bees actually, um, as they rise, incorporate the, the misogyny and the social identity threats that men encounter in business controlled by women. In other words, they're, they begin to think like a man, that only men deserve to rise, which is really weird. It's like, um it reminds me of hostage behavior or something like that. But anyway, mean girls, uh, queen bees are a problem, and the other thing that's a problem is something I call mean girls. And mean girls are women who undercut or bully out of a desire for supremacy or jealousy or in response to a perceived slight, real or imagined. And um, there was a study conducted by the Workplace Bullying Institute that found that female bullies directed their hostilities toward other women 80% of the time, in contrast, male bullies were equal opportunity bullies. Um, and a 2011 study a 1,000 working women found that 90% of women felt they'd been undermined by another woman at some point in their career. And so, it, I mean, I find this to be a very sad commentary. Um, and I do think you have to watch out for other women. But and you think that Mean Girls are something that happens that – I don't know if you remember in elementary school, if there's three girls, two against one, and then it switches, then it's two against another one. I mean, they, they switch turns, but they're all going after each other. Um, and you'd think that would stop after high school or college, but no, it keeps going. Um, and so you have to, uh, you have to, um, keep proving yourself and, um, you know, build alliances and don't let it slide when somebody attacks you. I think you know you keep it professional, but you, but you, uh, you call out your attacker directly.
0: Why do you care so much? You've already found success in your career and your life. Writing a book is a thankless job for most authors. Most authors <laughs> don't is. even recover their costs. Never mind the time and energy they put into a book project doing interviews as you're doing today is very time consuming. Why do you care? Do you have political ambitions? Why are you vested in this?
1: I I do not have political ambitions. Um in fact, when I look at the political scene, I think there's <laughs> there's no place I'd less rather be. Um no, I I am outraged. Seriously, I am outraged that um after Decades of struggling to, to show that we're equal to men, we're not making any progress. And I took a look at all the numbers and, um, you know, across every industry and in every, in every level of work, women still struggle to earn the same level of pay, to receive equal access to opportunities and promotions, and to do the work they were hired to do without fear of harassment or gender discrimination. And Enough is enough. I mean, we've got what it takes and we need to start unleashing our power and getting there. I, I really feel so committed to this. Um, I, because, you know, women come into the workforce at the same, same number as men. We graduate from college and grad school at the same rates as men. We get jobs at the same rates most of the time as men. And then the funnel narrows and narrows so that Pretty soon we're not getting promoted. Um, and it just, uh, we we're, you know, we're just fall off until the funnel is so narrow that there's no women there at all. And I want that to change. Women have the right to become whoever they want to be, just like a man. And, yeah, your talent, your smarts, your ambition, your grit, all of those things will take you only so far they'll, you know, they'll take you as far as you, as you want them to and as you try and as you're allowed to, but it should be an even playing field. And I what I consider an even playing field is I said not treating not trying to prove that we're equal to men, but using what we've got, use everything you've got, which is our superior leadership skills and our talent for playing this emotional, which is the same thing as our talent for playing this emotional intelligence game so that we can and advance our careers.
0: What would you say to those women who are in a position similar to yours, who have found success in their careers, who are leaders in their jobs, perhaps in their communities, who want to make a difference as you have done with your book and your outreach? What empowerment tools Can they share with their colleagues, with their subordinates, perhaps reach out to other colleagues? What suggestions would you share with them?
1: Well, let me count the ways. Um, Mostly it is being aware of the situation. And um, women have a very hard time finding mentors who are people who coach them on how to conduct themselves and get ahead and get opportunities. And even more importantly, having sponsors, which are people in positions of power who can help promote you by, you know, by being part of the decision-making process as to who goes to the next level. And men who are committed to fairness um, should, uh, should mentor and sponsor women as well as men. And consciously do so if they haven't been doing so before, and think about um, think about including women in plum assignments, in you know discussions, bringing them into discussions. It's all a matter of including them. And and believe me, I do not believe that there should be any affirmative action idea behind this that you take women who are not as well-equipped as a man and you promote them because they're a woman. But I believe there's plenty of women out there who if treated, with, if afforded the same opportunities by male bosses as their male counterparts would rank up there too. I'm not saying promote them ahead of them. I'm not saying give them a special advantage. I'm just saying put them in the mix and there's this whole new thing now um they just call it this and i think it's so funny because i've lived with this my whole career which is the uh, there's a women who call themselves the only, onlys o n l y s and what it means is you you end up in a meeting like for me it would be and it this could apply at any level it's just my level of sort of superannuated but you i go to a meeting and it's all um all the major motion picture studios in the world are being sued and so everyone finds their absolute top best litigator usually from either even though the case is pending in san antonio and you all have you all have local counsel you get your top lawyer from new york or la and they're in charge of the team and you get to the first meeting of all the studio counsel and you're the only woman I can't tell you how much, how many times I've been the only, and continue to be the only because I'm now, at such an elevated level, so to speak, that there, we're, I'm an only, and that, that is, that is a problem. And one of the suggestions is um, that men in power um, consider, as I said, not provo- promoting women who aren't able, but don't, don't stop at one. If you think there's two women and seven men or two, whatever, if you think there's more than one woman, bring them up along with them. So you don't always have this, this pipeline that gets narrower and narrower until there's an only. Um, I think men could do a huge amount. Um, especially, I think it, it you know, I, I think we, you know, we're not even going to, um sexual harassment, which I'm not, I don't want to talk about, except that men, there's a real problem with men who stand by while it's happening and don't say anything. And it's the same kind of thing. You, all we ask for is to be treated fairly and, um and to be given the same right to opportunities, promotions, salary increases, leadership positions as a man.
0: How do you, As a woman or as a boss to a woman, whatever your gender, deal with the social inequities that make it difficult, if not impossible sometimes, for women to have equal opportunities. So that, for example, it might be socially unacceptable or inappropriate, frowned upon, for a woman to have dinner with a male client or to go to a retreat with an only male group, and so on and so forth. All of the social situations in which men glide through easily, if they're going out for drinks afterward and maybe go to a strip bar or hire Professional workers, to use a euphemism. And women are not welcome in those venues, but those are oftentimes where the deals are made. Or maybe they're on the golf course for the older generations. How do you deal with those social inequities in your path to success, to mentoring?
1: I, I agree. It's, it's, I, it's a big problem and it's, it's been a problem for me my whole life. And I have been on business trips time and again with a, when I was young and, and very cute, <laughs> um, despite being, despite being an incredible lawyer, but young and very cute. And, um, I'm sure their wives did not appreciate that I was flying off with their husband. Um, I think the, I think, you know, if you, that is changing somewhat. Um, but I think you know women play golf now, women play poker now, um, women sail, uh, women. Uh, if you can't do lunch or after night drinks, do if you can't do dinner or after night drinks, do lunch or a breakfast meeting. If you with a client, if you can't meet a client, you know in the evening, do it in another situation or bring. You know, if there are other women, bring another woman with you. Um, or bring a group with you. So that you don't you know, yes, it is it's definitely a problem. I think I think this idea, at least in the United States, I keep hearing this is the way everything's done in Japan and Korea, but I I don't believe that either. But I don't I don't really know for personal experience, but I think I don't think men after go to strict, strip cubs or hire professionals, I think. But I do think it's very easy to grab another man, a younger man, if you're an, an older boss and say, let's go grab a drink um, or let's go to the game or let's do this or that. And it's perfectly OK, whereas if they're asking a woman, a single woman, um, that's um, people are going to start talking. And I, I, I address this in the book because it's a problem. So I think you have to find workarounds, as I said, breakfast meetings, lunch meetings, meetings with more than one person in attendance in the evening um, so that it's not, you know, There, I think it's rarely the case, for example, that there'll be a retreat where there'll only be one woman. There's usually a couple at least. But um, if that's the case, you know, I go anyway. I just go. Um, and, you know, I make my boundaries clear, not in, a, not in a witchy way, but in a firm way. No, you know, no sexual harassment, no sleeping with anybody. Um, and, uh, but, you know, yes, it's certainly a problem, but there are workarounds, and you have to do that.
0: Thank you, Linda Jane, for joining us from Beverly Hills, California.
1: Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: And to our audience, you have been listening to Linda Jane Smith, who is author of Smashing Glass and Kicking Ass, Lessons from the Meanest Woman Alive, who discussed how women can unleash their power. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicnpr.com. That's editor at hispanicnpr.com.